Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. I remember one of my first times learning how to surf. I got my wetsuit. It was pretty gray outside, pretty cold, and got this board, this big long board, and carried it across the dunes, got in the water. I mean, when your feet first hit the water, it's freezing if you're in the Northwest. (laughs) And that's where we were. And I remember getting out in the waves, and it was my first time, and I was learning. And I had a few experienced surfers with me, and one of them was giving me direction. And as I was going out, I heard my friend yell out, make sure to watch for the waves. And I turned to him and said, what? And right when I turned, a wave hit me right upside the head, smash. And I was crushed by this wave. (laughs) See, I, I learned that day that part of the art of surfing is learning not to get crushed by the wave, but learning how to catch the wave. James, the author of the book called James, wrote this. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. James wants to teach us, instead of getting crushed by the waves of trial, how do we catch waves of trial and experience joy? I want to introduce you to the background and person of the book of James in this sermon, but I really, really want to hone in on this question, how do I turn waves of trial into joy? How do I allow trials to make me more human, not less human? How do I become brighter and not bitter? Now, the waves of trial and testing that we've gone through as a culture have come so fast and been so heavy in this last season. I know that we face cultural waves that we're not expecting and they can crush us. We can expect, uh, experience personal waves that come and they crush us, whether it's relationship or health or economic or social waves that hit us. And I want to pay close attention to three anchors for your life that, that James teaches us when the waves hit. And here they are, patience, faith, and wisdom. Let's jump in. James chapter 1, verse 1 says this, From James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a little background on James. This James is probably the oldest of Jesus' four younger brothers. Probably grew up with Jesus in the small rural town of Nazareth in the north of Israel. And as kids, they probably played together and learned at school together and likely likely learned masonry or carpentry from their father, Joseph. The scripture suggests that James was first skeptical about Jesus' claims as a son of God, like he didn't believe that. But after the resurrection of his brother, James became not only a strong follower of the way of Jesus, but also a prominent leader in the church. James was known as a leader who helped lead the Jerusalem church. You can read about in the book of Acts. And he helped grow the inclusive nature of the church by bringing non-Jewish people called Gentiles into the family of faith. He also became known for writing a best-selling book called James. (laughs) Now, could you imagine being Jesus' brother? Imagine like, uh, you know, some of their friends growing up, man, did you see that catch by Jesus, your brother? It was miraculous. He just appeared out of nowhere. Or did you see him run across that stream? It's like he was walking on water. (laughs) Or maybe Jesus' little sister tattled on him and said, mom, Jesus is saying the seven woes to you, hypocrite speech to James again. It's helpful to think of James as as a a real person who grew up with Jesus, who had doubts about him, didn't believe that his brother was who he said he was. And then 
had a radical transformation when he experienced the power of God through the resurrection. And it's also helpful to think of James as a spiritual director for our spiritual formation, for our time. Formation or spiritual formation is a more modern term for, the, for what the Bible usually calls wisdom, a life formed in a God-shaped way. While other authors of the Bible, like Paul, Peter, John's mothers, apostles, who are heavily focused on teaching more concepts, theological concepts like sin, salvation, grace, faith, and love, which are all really important, James knew that none of these things mattered if followers of Jesus didn't live out their faith in real life, in real time, day after day. James was the brother of Jesus. He had grown up. With Jesus, he had seen Jesus' ministry, and he saw the power of Jesus explode from the resurrection into the lives of the early Roman Empire. Let's jump back into the scripture. From James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are scattered outside the land of Israel. Greetings. Now, I think it's important just to mention James' audience at the time, which is a little bit different time than our time and a different church than our time, but going through similar things. He was writing to a church that was scattered throughout all the ancient world. Much like us, we're scattered all over, especially through COVID right now. Now, this was a church that was experiencing lots of trials, not primarily trials around a pandemic, but trials around persecution and other difficulties during this time. James was teaching then, and as he is now as we read this, that the church is a family of gathering and a family of scattering into the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Verse 2, my brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I remember training for sprinting. I used to run the 100 meter and the 200 meter in high school and a little bit in college. And there would be routines and practices that we would test ourselves and push ourselves beyond what we do on a normal like race. And it wasn't for our harm, but it was for our help. It was to produce endurance. When we would train this way, it was for endurance, speed, wholeness. Verse four, let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. The purpose of the training, the purpose of going through trial and testing is for your wholeness, for your life to flourish. In this moment, I think James is getting at the concept of patience. This is the first anchor that holds us when the waves start hitting. Patience, not impatience or panic. Sometimes when we get hit with hard things, panic can set in or impatience can set in. Patience is not you know, ignorance. Endurance is not ignorance, nor is it denial. It's not saying like, oh, I, I you know, I, I lost my arm, but everything's good. Everything's great. Nothing's bad. No, like you, we can recognize trials and tests for what they are, but we can get through these. We don't have to get crushed by the trials. We can actually learn how to catch them and turn it into joy. So my dad's an activator. It's like what the strengths finders calls him. It's like his top gift. What that means practically is that he brings the gift of impatience to every situation. Driving. If he's in, you know, if he, he's not in the driver's seat, if he's uh, just in the passenger, he's like, George, get around this guy. He, 
Uh, watch out. They're turning this way. Hurry up. Get into that. There's a spot right there. You know, he's just like, he's very impatient. When he's driving, it's even worse. Food service. Food service isn't like timely. The the patience isn't there. He's an activator. They, they got to get going. I remember mowing the lawn as a kid. Like his requests were, were always in the present tense. Will you mow the lawn? That meant now. You know, will you get upstairs? That means now. Will you get in the car? Now. Um, but the the interesting thing about my dad that, and the paradox about him was that while my dad had very little patience for trivial things, he had deep and long-suffering patience for uh, important things, the most important things of life, the people in his life, hardship, injustice, unfairness, work, marriage. He's one of the most enduring, encouraging, persevering people I've ever met. He's turned his trials into wisdom and joy because he's been patient with what matters most. Patience is required to turn trials into joy, to become brighter, not bitter. Verse five, but anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. Whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith. And this is the second anchor for us when we're in the storm and the waves are hitting. It's faith. Faith is simply trusting that God is good and gives goodness to us. The heart of faith is trusting in the goodness of God and in the gifts that God gives us. And we demonstrate that we know that God's very nature and character is good by asking and receiving like a child does with a parent. I remember my son yelling at me out of nowhere. I was walking by our bed in our room. He goes, Dad, catch me! As he was already leaping off the bed with full reckless abandon, there was like pillows and sheets flying everywhere. And I like had to drop something and immediately put my arms out so I could do what he asked me to do. You know, he was asking as he was jumping in full expectation of receiving, in full expectation of being caught. For me, this is a picture of faith. I know it might sound simplistic, but faith is asking while jumping. Faith is trusting someone to give something good and not evil. This kind of faith reveals itself by asking and receiving in good faith. God doesn't want us to doubt or hesitate when we ask, of course. Verse 6, it goes on to say, whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith without doubting. Whoever doubts is like the surf of the sea, tossed and turned by the winds, like the waves are rocking them. People like that should never imagine that they'll receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded, unstable in all their ways. They're asking, but not jumping. Or maybe they're thinking and not asking and not jumping. Either way, they're not acting on what they want to believe. And what that does with our faith is it, it prevents us from trusting in the utter and total goodness of God. God is good. Now let's go back to verse five to talk about the third anchor for us in the waves and in the storm. But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give. I love that. His nature is to give to everyone. You don't have to be a special somebody. You can be a non-special anybody with God to receive those gifts from him, whose very nature is to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score, wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask, asking in faith. So wisdom, the third anchor, 
you know, when I think about wisdom, maybe a helpful definition would be this. Wisdom is seeing the good things or seeing the good in all the good, the bad and the ugly and doing the good. So whether you're in a good situation, a bad situation, a really terrible situation, or it's a mixed situation, you're able to see the good and do the good at the right time to create more good. And that's wisdom. It's like this cyclical thing, the circular movement where the more you act on goodness and at the right time, the right place with the right people, the the more wisdom you acquire and the more goodness is put out in the world. And this is what Jesus was all about. Now, why do we need patience, faith, and especially wisdom here? Because many of us are flying the plane upside down and we don't know it. We're like the pilot who flew into a storm and somehow got turned upside down. And when he pulled the plane up, he ended up pulling it down into the ground and crashing. Many of us in these difficult times and trials that we've been facing are making permanent decisions around temporary trials. Don't make a permanent decision around a temporary trial. Make patient, faithful, wise decisions during temporary trials. That's how you catch the wave instead of being crushed by the waves. That's how you help others who are around your life catch the waves rather than get crushed by them. This is how you find joy instead of becoming a jerk. It's how you become brighter and not bitter. Too many followers of Jesus are leaving their spouses, their families, their kids, their friends, their churches because of a temporary trial. You will regret it after you see the crash that you caused. You'll realize too late that you are flying the plane upside down. And so hold yourselves into the anchors of patience, faith, and wisdom. James has some incredible wisdom about wisdom in James chapter 3. I just want to give this to us. I think it's a helpful contrast between wisdom from below and wisdom from above. James chapter 3, verse 13. Are any of you wise and understanding? Show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. You see, humility generates wisdom. A lifestyle of learning generates godly wisdom and active goodness. My friend who coaches basketball says when unwanted waves of trial and loss hit anybody, he says, foolishness says, why is this happening to me? Wisdom says, what can I learn from this? That sounds like a coach, doesn't it? (laughs) Here's a diagnostic that James gives us as our spiritual director of wisdom, wanting us to have wisdom from uh, above, not from below. It helps us to be able to diagnose the earthly wisdom from the heavenly wisdom. Verse 14, however, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, then stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. Think Instagram. This is who I say I am. This, everything's good. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Everything's a mess. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it's from the earth. Natural, and get this, demonic. That's pretty strong language, right? We might say, well, that way of thinking is just kind of the world. It's how, how everybody thinks. James says that's demonic. That way of thinking and being and using wisdom finds its source in evil. And we don't even know it. Verse 16, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil. Think about that for a second. 
jealousy and selfish ambition, a desire to put yourself above others, jealous or envious of others. It leads to disorder and division. So I'm just list a few of these selfish ambition, you know, jealousy, bragging, living in ways that deny the truth. That's like hypocrisy, just full out hypocrisy, or maybe bias confirmation instead of truth confirmation. Are we trying to confirm our biases rather than confirming the truth? Disorder or division, this is causing problems and pulling people apart rather than unifying people. And also all of this comes down to what James would call evil. In our world, especially coming out of a pandemic where it's so easy to be critical, negative, emotional in our decisions, our attitudes, how we treat people, James shows us a picture of a person that tries to sound wise, but are really fooling themselves and others. But God's not fool. <laughs> Their foolish wisdom reveals itself by being self-promoting. These are some of you know more modern terms for it. Self-promoting, cynical, fault-finding, a person who always finds the fault. That's like their purpose is to find the fault and it's to make everything better, but it's always just fault-finding. Mean, harsh in the words, always grumbling about someone or something or some group. Suspicious, always focused on what's wrong, not good enough or wanting or something that's found wanting. And uh, they divide friends often rather than uniting friends. Or they unite friends around ugly, foolish things that Jesus wants us to have nothing to do with. You unite people around that and then divide friends away from goodness and wisdom and the way of Jesus. When you look at the wake of your life or your closest friends' lives, what are the results of your kind of wisdom? You see, this kind of wisdom says everything is good and wise, but it has a sickness inside. It's like the person who avoided the doctor's office for years and years because everything looks fine and everything is fine on the outside. But in reality, a cancer has been growing unseen on the inside. The only way to truly know the health and wisdom of a person is to diagnose it properly. Let's look at what James says is the true diagnostic of wisdom from above, not from below. This is the kind of wisdom that he did not notice at first with his own brother, Jesus. He missed it and overlooked it in his own brother and didn't fully become aware of it until the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to know this list of wisdom really are characteristics of Jesus, his brother. Verse 17, what of the wisdom from above? First, it's pure, like wholeness and total goodness, and then peaceful. It's gentle, it's obedient, it's filled with mercy and good actions, it's fair and genuine. Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. The only way to get where we want to go in a Jesus way is to walk the way Jesus walked to get there. You can hear the echoes of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers. Fred Rogers said this, When I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. And my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. I want to encourage you, if you want to find true wisdom in your life and the lives of others that's worth following, look for the helpers. Look for this kind of person. If we want to turn waves of trial into wisdom, we need to be patient and endure and ask in faith for wisdom. James 3 shows us what the anchors of patience, faith, and especially wisdom look like. 
N.T. Wright notices that James teaches us this wisdom from above isn't a matter of knowing a large number of facts, nor is it a particular skill in negotiation or managing or leadership or academic scholarship. It's much deeper than any of these. James 17 says it's pure, peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions. It's fair and genuine. It might be so easy for those filled with the world's wisdom to hear this, see this, and they're filled with selfish ambition, pride, bitter jealousy. They don't even know it. It'd be so easy for them to hear this list and, and scorn it and dismiss real wisdom. We might miss wisdom the same way James, at the start of his life, missed that his brother Jesus was really the Son of God. When we miss the wisdom of Jesus, we miss Jesus. Let's learn from James how to allow trials to become joy through the path of Jesus, the path of patience, faith, and wisdom. So here's an exercise I want you to try this week to help you with application of this teaching from today. It's going to take a little bit of imagination and reflection, but here goes. Imagine being at your place of work or at church or some other gathering, and if you were in the parking lot, Who would you rather see coming towards you, a verse 16 type of person or a verse 17 type of person? Who would you rather have as a friend or a neighbor? Now, here's the invitation. How do you become the person from verse 17? James says a person that is becoming a a verse 17 human being is shaped like Jesus, allows the waves of trial to anchor them to persevere in patience, ask in faith, and to walk in wisdom from above. Now, try to do this at least three times a week. Reflect on various areas of your life, whether it's friendships, your work, your place, your neighborhood. And I want you to reflect and maybe release these things. Read James 3, 14 through 16, and look for those areas of bad wisdom, earthly wisdom in your life. And ask God to help you to release those. And then the second reflection to do right after is reflect on areas of growing wisdom, godly wisdom, heavenly wisdom in your life. And ask the Spirit of Jesus to help you cultivate more of this kind of wisdom. Read through James 3, 17 through 18. Think about mercy. Think about uh, goodness and pureness and being genuine. All the things that James lists. Think about being filled with mercy, goodness, fairness, being genuine. James says, those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. This is wisdom. Persevere in patience, pray in faith, and practice wisdom. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.